1: Welcome to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real life stories and techniques to power up your business.
0: Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be talking about something that we don't often talk about but is something that so many small business owners have to deal with on you know, a fairly frequent basis and that's hiring employees because it, it can be a quagmire, it can be fun, you can get the perfect people, you can get the oi people you really don't want, then what the heck do you do? And so we're going to be talking with an expert today that is the expert as I said on how to hire for small businesses. So please join me in welcoming Rebecca Barnes Hogg to our program.
1: Good morning Deb. I'm really excited to be here today and share what I know with your listeners. Great. Well let me folks
0: let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Rebecca Barnes Hogg is a serial connector of small businesses with their ideal employees. She first discovered this talent as a teenager when she helped her high school classmates find summer jobs. Her career in corporate America encompassed all facets of business. Rebecca recognized early on that at the center of every business is its people. Throughout her career, Rebecca excelled at putting the right people in the right positions to make things happen. In 2011, she founded YOLO Insights to make sure that no small business is held back because they are unable to find the talented people they need. Her passion for hunting purple unicorns, or in real-life words, ideal employees, shows in the transformation she helps small businesses achieve. Rebecca's recruiting insights have been featured in Business News Daily, U.S. News & World Report, CBS Small Business Pulse, Market Watch, Hotel Executive, and HR Magazine. Rebecca is also a co-author of Rethinking Human Resources, a 2015 anthology edited by Kevin Williamson and Kathy Fayot. And she has just written a book, which we can pre-order because it's due out next week, called The YOLO Principle. And am I saying or do you want it pronounced as in Y-O-L-O?
1: No, YOLO is fine.
0: Okay, so The YOLO Principle, the ultimate hiring guide for small businesses. So again, Rebecca, welcome to our program today.
1: Deb, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to share this message with people because, as you read in my bio, my passion is really helping small businesses get that hiring process right. It's critical for us as small business owners to get those people on board that are going to help us be successful, and that's what I love to do. Right?
0: You know, and of course, the tricky thing for small business owners is we don't hire very much, you know, very often. And so we don't always know the best way to do it. Even big businesses. I mean, you know, I I worked for one of the largest businesses in the world and it was still a quagmire to, to hire the right person to get the people that were the best fit for the team. And so I love your concept. First, tell us what YOLO is because it is an acronym.
1: Yes, it stands for you only live once. And I always tell my clients this I always say to them life's too short to put up with working with jerks. Mm -hmm. Those are those lazy Larrys, those Debbie Divas, the drama kings and queens, the people that are just like vampires and suck the energy and life right out of you. And I've seen that so much in my career that that's that's something I'm on a mission to end that because life is just it's short and we should enjoy every moment of it. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, and it all comes down to the fact that we we have to get it right at the very start. And, you know, I do have an advanced copy of your book and, and thank you so much for that, because it 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 explains things in very simple terms. But the funny thing was, as I was reading it, I was going, "Oh yeah, mm, yeah, mm, oops." Um, you know, and, <laughs> and and so much of it is common sense, but we don't do it. And and as I said, it's something that we have to think about right at the very start when we're starting that hiring process. And so you know, kind of walk us through because you know, it, it, say you're a small business owner who. Oh, my gosh, you've gone from the solopreneur to I have to have an employee. There are things
1: you have to think about right at the very start. So talk to us about those. Yeah, I think that's a common mistake. People think that I'm at the point now, I'm so excited, I can hire my first employee. But they forget what that means. There's a lot involved in that. Uh, there are legal requirements, things that you can and cannot do. But more importantly than that, I think, is the actual cost of having an employee. Mm-hmm. Like, we forget about things like payroll taxes, mm-hmm. insurance, workers' comp. Um, now, workers' comp typically isn't triggered until you get, you know, at least four or more employees. And A lot of that just is, depends on your state laws. But there's so much that goes into that first decision that I think before you say, I, I'm hiring someone, you need to say, do I have the finances to hire someone? Right. And and look at those behind the scenes costs. Mm-hmm. I just worked with a client a couple of weeks ago who was like, I just got this new um really huge contract and I need to hire four people right away. And so we sat down and we had a conversation about what that would look like and mm-hmm. the types of things people would be doing. And I said, really, you don't want to hire four people right this moment. You want to hire a couple of um, part-time people like mm-hmm freelancers maybe, a virtual assistant, uh, things like that, and get some processes and systems in place first right. before you go out and hire those other four employees. You will eventually need them, but for right now, that's not the best way for you to do this. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to really understand the cost. And I see so many businesses that don't. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times it causes them to go out of business. Right and and that's that's just sad that's heartbreaking because people are investing sometimes their life savings mm-hmm. and i hate to see people not succeed
0: right well and you know one of the things you mentioned that i think is probably one of the first considerations that we need to make is do we need a full-time employee a part-time employee or a consultant virtual assistant type you know of those things and, you know, and, and, and I do want to have our little <clears throat> disclaimer here, there's, you know, as you mentioned, there's federal laws, there's state laws. you know, research those on your own folks or, or, you know, hire an attorney, make sure that you're following those. What we're saying are, is general information, you know, where we don't play lawyers on TV. So, you know, make sure that you have done the research on your own. So we're just kind of talking in generalities here, but there are definitely things that you need to consider you know, can you hire a consultant, you know, did you hire him for too many hours, all those various things. So kind of talk to us a little bit about what some of those considerations might be.
1: Sure. In terms of, um, you know, the legal requirements, like you said, I'm not a lawyer, we don't play them on TV. And I think one of the first things you probably should do is find a good employment law lawyer or go online, do that research on your own. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, you need to think about, you know, the financial impact. Like, can you generate the cash flow to pay those payroll taxes? Can you afford to always pay them that salary every week? Because... People aren't going to work for you if you are inconsistent with how you pay them. So if you're going to tell people you're going to pay them every Friday, you better have the cash flow to do that. So that means you have to have really good financial systems in place. You have to have a a strong accounting program. You have to be on top of your numbers and manage your cash flow and know that you're going to be able to pay that person through peaks and valleys. Because as we all know, businesses don't just generate You know, this perfect little income stream. Every business has that peak and valley. You have busy times, you have slow times. So you have to know how to manage your money to be able to make sure you can meet those financial obligations. Mm -hmm. And then people like to have little perks and extras. They like to have. Insurance. Benefits and health insurance and vacation time and and other things like that and you know you can there's no law that says you have to give them holidays and vacation time and medical insurance um, well I should counter that because those laws change constantly these right. days so but you do have to understand what you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm in terms of those benefits. And you can get creative, so you might not be able to offer them paid time off. But maybe you're in a business where if revenue targets are met, you can do a profit sharing or a bonus or, you know, some creative thing. Or if you're in a seasonal business where, you know, summertime is your tourist season and you're going to have people working six days a week, maybe in the off season when you're doing maintenance and repairs and upkeep and things like that, you can offer people a three or four day week. Mm -hmm. You know, so there are ways you can be creative about how you structure that, but it's important to be clear before you even start down this path on what you can and what you cannot do right. so that you're setting expectations on both sides and setting yourself and your new employee up for success. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And one of the things to remember is your employees will talk to each other, so don't promise one thing to one person and one thing to something else. There is someone else because they will talk and, you know, you don't want to, to find out that, you know, employee A got really mad because they found out that employee B got something totally different. Um, now, there's sometimes there's reasons, you know, maybe one is a new parent, um, you know, so they can can work from home, all these various things. But but really remember that they're going to talk to each other.
1: Right and you can't stop them and this is where that, that legal requirement and understanding that comes in, there are labor laws that fall under the National Labor Relations Board and that's all about <clears throat> all about unions and that sort of thing that says you you cannot prevent people from talking about their salary and benefits. So, it's important that you set those parameters up front and know what you can offer and what you can't offer and then do it consistently and have valid business reasons that back up why you're doing what you're doing.
0: Right. You know, and and I love you had some suggestions in your book for some additional perks that that you might want to consider. Things like,
1: you know, maybe they get to use the
0: laptop um, for personal use or, you know, all sorts of various things. And again, you know, research it, have policy, all those various things. Um, But but there are ways that that you can do things. Um, You know, I negotiated one time. I was talking and uh, my employer couldn't give me the salary that I wanted. So I negotiated that I worked from home, you know, one day a week. And, you know, and so it was all these various things. But again, write it down, write it down, write it down, write it down. Um, you know, right. Make sure that both sides agree to it. I mean, you know, that's the because, you know, I could tell you, hey, Rebecca, I'm going to give you every Friday off, you know, as we kind of pass each other in the coffee shop. And then hmm, I don't give you every Friday off. And, and you rightfully get very annoyed. Right. You know, that's where, you know, and you, you want to just have things written down to cover everybody's little hiney parts.
1: (laughs) Yes. I like how you phrase that. Right, right. And I think that's what what leads us into something I cover in length in the book is job descriptions. And that's that setting that expectation and creating that roadmap for both you and your new employee to know what the expectations are. And I find very often small businesses think, oh, those are for big companies with lots of employees. And that's not the case, because I think it's even more critical in a small business Mm -hmm. because you are going to ask your employees to wear multiple hats and do a number of different things. And you need to be clear about where their lines of responsibility and authority lie. And that's what goes into that job description. And it also gives you some legal protections too. Mm -hmm. So as you're growing, you can use this as a way to say once you fall under some of the regulations like Americans with Disabilities Act or Family Medical Leave Act, those laws have provisions about how people can work for late duty and things like that, fitness for duty, what they're responsible for. This is a risk management tool Mm -hmm. so that if you say, you know, in my business, there is no light duty available, your job description backs that up right. because it details every single thing that employee has to do, what's critical for them to be able to successfully perform the job.
0: You know, and we've all had an employee or we've heard somebody say, I'm sorry, that's not in my job description.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't and, you hate those words? Oh, you know,
0: and, <laughs> And, you know, and it's funny because I always say, well, that's that line in there that says and other duties as assigned. But it is tricky because, you know, yes, you know, you should have that line in there that other duties as assigned. But it it is, you know, it it is one of those tricky things. I mean, if you're requiring somebody to do something that is, say, way outside what you've normally having them do, I mean, that's that's not going to be comfortable for either side.
1: Right, right. And, you know, in a small business, we find that often, you know, things change constantly. And we might want to ask someone to do something outside of the realm of their responsibilities. And that's why these job descriptions should be living, breathing documents. They shouldn't be done, put on a shelf, and not looked at until, Mm -hmm. you know, some lawyer comes knocking on your door and says an employee's filed filed this lawsuit. Mm -hmm. You should review them periodically because as your business grows and evolves, Mm -hmm. so too will these job descriptions and the things that you're requiring of your employees. And I just had a client contact me a couple of days ago and she's like, yeah, you helped me with this search a while ago and I have a great employee. But what I'm finding now is that my needs are different than they were a year ago when I was just growing. And now I'm at a point where I need somebody very different. And so we'll work together on creating a new job description for this new search for her to update it and really reflect how her business has changed and grown. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I think it's important when you're updating to ask your current employees, you know, what what did I forget? You know, what what needs tweaked? All of those various things.
1: Right, because a lot of times when when you get somebody who's good at their job and just kind of can see a problem and just go out and solve it, you get what I call a little bit of scope creep. Right. Because you- these people are just so good at their jobs that they're doing things that you don't realize they're doing. They're keeping your business humming right along and being successful, and all these little things that are happening in the background may never cross your radar. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have those check-ins periodically so you actually know what your people are doing.
0: Right. You know, and it is important to to be kind of uh, thinking about things that might not pertain right now. You know, we kind of mentioned updating those. You know, I was thinking about a, a time uh, where I worked for an organization where we had, you know, multiple employees. This was a, a very large organization. And we had a, a young lady. She was about 22, 23, who, shall we say, showed lots of skin um, <laughs> and just as cute as could be. I mean, you know, and, and and but but she did, you know, tops were low, skirts were short. And so and, and she was very distracting. You know, I mean, it, that just was really what it came down to. And so, you know, the HR department dutifully went to her and said, "Longer skirts, pull your top up." And she looked at them and said, "That's not in my job, you know, there's nothing in my job description that talks about clothing." And she was right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so we all got revised job descriptions that that basically discussed that. And then she was fine with it. You know, as long as it applied to everyone. Which is is you know kind of the rule you know you you can't sign you can't you know get somebody you know and and just say well I'm sorry you can't dress that way or you can't take that break or you can't do it as long as it applies to everyone that was kind of the criteria and and it was funny because then she was perfectly fine with changing her wardrobe but she just wanted the the policy to apply to everyone
1: right and I think there's a little bit of crossover sometimes with things like that. You know, in the HR world, that's more or less a dress code policy, and that would be an employee handbook type of thing. Mm -hmm. But in your job descriptions, you may have, like, one of my clients is a restaurant, Mm -hmm. and there are health and safety requirements that need to be followed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things like, you know, you can't, you have to have closed-toed shoes, no Mm -hmm. um, flip-flops, hairnets, and, you know, body piercings and things like that are against health code regulations Mm -hmm. when you're preparing food. So, those job descriptions definitely need to include that mm-hmm. another client is you know does a lot of fleet maintenance so right. you know if you're working in mechanical realm you have to be willing to get dirty and greasy mm-hmm. so while they don't have uniforms you know the clothes you wear to work can't be you know business suits you right. have to wear clothes that it you know grease will come mm-hmm. out of right. and that's typically not you know a, a wool or a silk suit so mm-hmm. Those are kind the kinds of things that you would put in the job description in terms of work requirements. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. You know, and, and don't ever assume that they will know, well, hey, I'm being hired as a food service worker, so I have to put my hair in a hairnet. Um, you know, because they, they may have never had a job in the food service industry or, you know, all those various things. So it might seem as you're writing your job description that it's kind of silly, that it's, you know, covering some things that, you know, are common sense. But you know what? I, I said it before. Cover your little hiney parts. Right. Then, you know, make sure that you've, you've got those things in there from the start so you don't have to worry about them later. Right,
1: right. Like I said, it, it, is, it really is a risk management tool and it can be used in so many different ways that I think it's it's really critical to start with one. And in fact, in, in the book, I devote a whole chapter to it. And mm-hmm. I start out by saying, I know everyone's rolling your eyes thinking, why do we need a whole chapter on this? Well, by the time you finish reading that chapter, you're going to wonder why you haven't done one before now, because they're so useful and mm-hmm. so um and all-encompassing really to help you get clear because you have to be clear when you hire someone what you need them to do and, and really set those parameters. Where does their authority start and end? What are they responsible for? What are your expectations? And just going through that exercise really helps clarify that. In, in your mind so mm-hmm. that when you have that person on board you're feeling more confident and comfortable directing their daily activities right
0: Well and of course they come in really handy when you do things like annual reviews because then you go back through and you and it's kind of like check boxes. oh okay you did this and this and this and this and ah uh, that one not so much um, you know and, and or oh my heavens you know you were spectacular at this so it's it's you know it's, it's just something to use Now uh, you, you mentioned clarity when you were talking and you talk about this in your book and I want to talk about that because that comes at the start again of this. You have to decide why, you know, what, what's the goal, you know, what do you want this person to do? Because if you don't know that you're not going to hire the right person, you know, so maybe you're hiring, I believe you, you, the example used was a receptionist, but they're actually kind of a customer support type of person. And
1: that's a different personality than just a receptionist. Right. And in that case, the client needed someone who could actually upsell services. So in addition to supporting the customer's, they needed someone who could say, you know, it's a simple phrase, but but the client kept saying, I don't know why this person just can't say, would you like to add on an additional service? Mm-hmm. It's like one quick little sentence. Right. But for the type of person she was hiring, they were not comfortable with selling. And that's really what that is. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, when you go into a really great restaurant, it's so... You get a good waitress, and I'll give you an example. My husband and I went out Friday night. We had our little date night. We tried a new restaurant. And the first thing our waitress said to us, everything here is so good. You'll want to remember, though, to keep room for dessert. Mm -hmm. So before she ever took an order for a drink, she was already setting the stage to make sure she was going to upsell us on that dessert. Mm -hmm. So that's a different mindset. And you have to be really clear when you start out. It's like, is that what I need? Mm -hmm. So just having that clarity, because when you don't know what you want, how are you going to know when you find it? You know, and you waste so much time and energy going through this cycle of turnover and, you know, getting excited because you think you found the perfect person. And they might have a wonderful personality, and they might look like they're perfect on paper. But then the reality is when they get in there and they can't do the job, you're wondering, where did this perfect person that I interviewed disappear? Mm -hmm. And the fact is, they were never there to begin with. You just weren't clear on what you were looking for. Mm -hmm. You found, you know, it's like that shiny object syndrome. You found something that looked really attractive, but you didn't look beneath the surface Mm -hmm. to make sure that everything you needed was there. Right,
0: right. You know, and and so it does take. Doing a lot of time upfront planning as opposed to, and, and you know, and, and like going online and finding a sample job description. You know, right. That's a good start, but you have to personalize it. You have to make sure that it actually matches the position. Right. I always
1: say it's not a copy and paste task. So, you know, by all means, go out and look at what other people have done. And that kind of leads me into my next pet peeve, which is, you know, job posting. So many people, <laughs> so many people just take that job description and some of them are just so dull and dry and boring. Mm-hmm. And they use that as their ad. Well, That's great for you to kind of copy and, and, you know, I call borrow and adapt because we don't want to steal things, but you have to make it apply to you. You have Mm -hmm. to just really think about it. You know, does this apply to me and how can I make it apply to me? Mm -hmm. And then from that, you want to look at it in terms of what's going to be attractive about my business and what I do that will bring this ideal person to me and, Use that because your job ad is marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, McDonald's knows exactly who their customer is, mm-hmm. and so does Mercedes Benz. And their advertising is very different, right? Right. And that's your ad needs to stand out from that group of boring job descriptions that people get lazy and throw out there on the internet and really grab that right candidate. And pull them in, and want them to know more about you and your business and what you're all about.
0: Well, and you mentioned something key there. It's wanting them to know about your business, you know. So, so put in there that you know you are, you know, that the you've you've won the the most you know best customer service in the industry award, you know, ten years in a row, or you know something like that. Yeah. Because you're selling the business to them just as much as they're selling themselves to you to be an employee, you know, and and again, you want to weed out the people who don't fit right at the very start.
1: Right, because you don't want to get like, I I just um, had a client come to me a few weeks ago and said, you know, when we put an ad out, we get like thousands of resumes Mm -hmm. and it's it's too hard to go through all of those. It's crazy. And I was like, well, if you're getting 1,000 resumes for this job, you're not doing it right. Right. Because you should not get 1,000 resumes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we sat down and we looked at what they were doing and, and really crafted an ad that would appeal only to people that loved the business they were in. And we get away from those resume spammers that just see a job title and don't read the ad and just, you know, send off a resume. Or they'll read the first line of an ad and was like, oh yeah, I've done that, I'll send my resume in. When you are very intentional about the people you want and you write an ad that speaks directly to them, Those other people tend to not apply because you're telling them right off the bat, like if you don't love working nights, weekends and holidays, don't even waste your time. You're Mm -hmm. not for us, you know, so you're going to lead with that another one of my clients was like we're just you know we're a small little manufacturer we're in the middle of nowhere we don't um you know we don't have a lot of cool benefits and and that sort of thing but what they did have was one of the coolest little products ever and you know used all over the world in hotels and what was really cool is when i started talking to those employees and i said what what's the best thing about working here it had nothing to do with salary, benefits, working conditions—you know, all those things that people like flexible work schedules and all of that. Their response was, "I can go on vacation anywhere, and I can point out to my mother, my father, my husband, my wife, my um, spouse." my kids and say, my company made that product and look, mm-hmm. how cool is it that it's you know in this hotel in Las Vegas or this hotel in Paris. It's like, my company made this and here you get to see it mm-hmm. and use it. And that you know, I, I talk in the book about finding that recruiting gold. Mm-hmm. And every single business has that gold. You just have to understand what it is and how to use it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you know, as as you're saying this, I'm remembering kind of a, a situation that happened to me where the person who placed the ad didn't talk to the hiring people, and 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 they did the thing of making it, you know, sound very glamorous and very fun, and and it was it was just it turned out to be one of these absolutely hilarious situations where the ad they placed said, "We need someone who can leap tall buildings with a single bound," you know, and, and they actually used this whole superhero analogy all throughout the ad. And so I thought, hey, this is going to be a cool place that, you know, very interesting to work for. But then I tailored my resume and my cover letter to match that. And I said, you know, I'm going to be Wonder Woman for you and, and all these various things. And I even put some graphics in there. I mean, you know, it was, it was a, a, an ad agency. So I thought, okay, you know, they'll appreciate this. Well, the person that got those had no clue that that was what had gone out. And she thought I was just nuts. She's like, what on earth? (laughs) Why did this person put Wonder Woman in their cover letter? And luckily, I knew somebody who knew all of the parties, and they said, Oh my gosh, you know. And, and um, so I, I did end up getting an interview and things like that. But, you know, it's so it's important to always have those lines of communication that are open, you know, and, and, and don't go overboard on, you know, the marketing. I mean, you know, that the leap
1: tall buildings with a single bound really was probably overkill. Right. And, and you want to be, and you brought up some great points there that communication needs to be there and it has to be consistent. Those are two other principles that I have. With within within the book. And the communication, you know, is really all about, you know, what is a good part of the job? What's the bad part of the job? You know, there are times when, you know, some jobs include really not so glamorous things, you know, they're they're kind of distasteful to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you might have to clean a restroom occasionally. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not my favorite thing to do. But you need to tell people that. You know, it's like we're we're not perfect. We have some good parts, we have some bad parts. And you also need to have that consistency. Like everyone on your team has to understand what it is you're looking for, how you define it. Because when you said leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know, what does that really mean? Like right. it words mean different things to different people. So, for me, leaping a tall building in a single bound could be something very different than, than your definition. Right. For example, I might think like I can use all kinds of equipment to do that, mm-hmm. but you might be really wanting me to do it without anything. Mm-hmm. You know, just be able to, you know, jump from, you know, the ground over the building and to the other side. But, you know, in my mind, I might be using trampolines or a cherry picking truck or, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having that clarity on what you're defining those words to mean Mm -hmm. is really critical. And you want everybody on your team to share those definitions and to have that complete understanding of them. Otherwise, you get that disconnect.
0: Right well and speaking of that you know you you have to have that for the interview process because you know everybody needs to know especially now you know if you've got one person doing the interviewing that's very different than if you have a team and you know we'll we'll talk about you know kind of the whole interview process but everybody who could be talking to this potential candidate has to be on the same page i mean that is just absolutely critical even from the person who answers the phone all the way through the process. Um, You know, they, they have to know this is what we're looking for. And I always tell people when I'm, you know, working with them, I I work with a lot of folks who uh, on their social media to, you know, to, uh, you know, like the LinkedIn profiles, things like that. I always say, remember that that receptionist or that person who is there at the door, they're one of the people you have to impress the most. Right. And, and, but yeah, everybody at that organization has to be on the same page because you certainly don't want, you know, halfway through the interview, somebody says, Oh, did they remember to tell you that you're going to have to work weekends? (laughs) Right, right. You know, all of those various things.
1: Right. And I think it's important you mentioned, you know, the receptionist, every part of that is an interview process from the moment you open the front door, enter the building, meet with people to leave the the interviewers and the company are watching the candidates every move. Right. But then they also need to remember that's a two-way street. That mm-hmm. candidate is also watching you. Mm-hmm. And I see this so often when I work with small businesses. They're so busy. Like I had someone come to me the other day and I turned them down for this because I know I can't be successful working with someone who doesn't have time to put this on the front burner. Mm-hmm. Like really need this person, ASAP, but I'm only available Wednesday at one thirty to talk to you. Well, if you're <laughs> that busy and you can't find the time to make a priority to hire someone, then i'm there's a different problem, yeah, that's mm-hmm. something I can't help you with that mm-hmm. because if you're not going to talk to me and communicate with me and and be you know on board in a partnership, then you're not a good client for me. Mm-hmm. But the candidate perception of that kind of person, and I see it all the time as if, you know, I have, you know, candidates come back to me saying they're rescheduling my interview again. This is the fourth time. Well, that candidate is going to say at some point, they're too busy to even interview me. Right, They're so
0: unorganized. Right, Mm -hmm.
1: right. What's it going to be like when I work there? Mm -hmm. If I have a question or if I run into a problem and I need to bounce an idea off somebody, like what's that going to be like for me? Mm -hmm. So you have to remember that your candidates are also watching every single thing you do. And if you're not clear and you're not communicating and you're not consistent in your words and your actions, they're noticing, and you're going to lose the best candidates, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to fall into what I call the cult of mediocrity. You're going to get stuck settling for the best of the average and the subpar people Mm -hmm. that apply or that get left after the good people think, oh, you know, no way am I going to work there. These Mm -hmm. people are just disorganized and a mess, and they don't know what they're doing. So, you have to really understand that there's no hiding anymore, and it's so easy. Like if you go on to social media sites, you mentioned that briefly earlier, mm-hmm. and look at some of the hashtags there about recruiting. There's one I monitor every once in a while. Somet- it's, it's funny, but it's also very sad. There's one called I hate recruiters, um, candidate fail, mm-hmm. um, things like that, and you'll see what people are doing that turns away really great candidates. You don't want to be like them. Mm -hmm. Well, and remember that people will research you, you know,
0: they'll look at obviously your website, but you know, then they're going to look at social media. They're going to look at, at the review sites, all of these various things. And what will people find, you know, because not only are your customers looking at those, your potential employees are going to look at those also, you know, and, and, you know, say it's, um, you know, a, a restaurant. And you continually are being dinged on Yelp because the food is cold. Well, I'm sorry, I don't want to be a server that's going to give cold food because the kitchen isn't organized enough. So I'm just not going to bother to apply, you know, or, you know, maybe it's a a place that gets absolutely spectacular reviews and you're thinking, I'm going to do whatever it takes to work there.
1: Right, right. And, and those are all part of building an employer brand. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that I cover in, in this book, but it is something that's very important mm-hmm. because you want to be intentional about building a company culture and an employee brand mm-hmm. that positions you for that future success right. so that you get known for being an industry leader, always having top quality customer service, a great product, standing behind that product, you know, having employees that believe in your product. Mm-hmm. And all of that, really, when you you spend the time up front, you get... The right people in the door the first time right. and you save so much time, energy, money, sanity. I could go on and on about all the great things that happen when you make that investment up front. Right. And I compare it to buying an expensive piece of equipment. So if you were going to go out there and you were going to buy, a, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollar system or equipment to manufacture a product or whatever it might be, You're not going to just do it quickly and willy nilly. You're going to spend time doing research. You're going to really think about, can it meet my needs? Is it going to be scalable? Will it work with me in the future? What do I need to have in place to be able to finance it or maintain it? And you know, any number of things you're going to spend a great deal of time making this decision. And the sad part is, is that most people only spend an hour or two making a hiring decision. Mm -hmm. And yet the people we hire have the ability to make or break our companies because Mm -hmm. I don't know of any business out there that can run, at least right now, without a human. Mm -hmm. So you have to get that human factor right first Mm -hmm. because you could have all the best equipment and processes and everything else in the world. But if you don't have the right people... None of it is going to work,
0: right. yeah, it's it's interesting. I was in one of the the big box office supply stores yesterday, and you know needed we I was shipping six boxes. And I mean, this was a complicated process. You know they all had to be insured, yada, yada, yada. Now the nice thing was they were all going to one address, so that did simplify things a bit. But I had to track somebody down to to ask the question, you know all these various things, they uh, you know we in, I ended up talking to three different employees. They all could have cared less about me being there, about helping, you know, all those various things. And when we finally left, I told my husband, I said, there's a reason this this business is going out
1: of business. You
0: know, they just didn't hire the right people to start with.
1: Right. And I find that a lot when you get into those um, big chain stores. Right.
0: They're just going to hire whoever applies.
1: Yeah. And they're part of that <laughs> cult of mediocrity. You know, they're hiring the best of the average and subpar that apply because they're not attracting people that would be great employees Mm -hmm. and they're not attracting them because as a customer, you go in there, you see what it's like, you don't want to work there. I don't want to work with people who don't care about their jobs. Mm-hmm. I want to work with people who are passionate and really love what they do. So that's the the thing that you want out of every employee. You want them to be happy coming to work every day. You want them to love your company as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you, you really do need to invest some time. Now, I don't think you need to invest as much time as people think, because a lot of this really just takes a couple of hours to just sit quietly with a pen and paper, think about what your goals are, think about what you need, think about the tasks that you need to have done, think about the person who would enjoy doing them. And then, you know, you can do it yourself, or you can hire an expert. And, you know, it's great if you hire me, but there are other people like me out there who can help. And there's There's help for everyone at um, all different price points out there. So one of the reasons I actually wrote this book was I didn't want a small business owner to be held back simply because they couldn't afford to get expert help. So this was my way of sharing my process and how I go through this to help those people who don't have the budget to hire an expert recruiter or someone who's a professional and trained and skilled in doing this. Mm
0: -hmm. Well and even if they're going to hire that expert whether it's in-house or they they hire a recruiter they have to again it comes back to that word clarity you know they have to know what they want because if you give somebody kind of wishy-washy whatever then you're going, it doesn't matter how professional they are. Now, hopefully they would come back to you and say, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I'm I'm missing stuff here. But they're only going to give you as good as what you gave them. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, make sure that you've got it clear before you ever go to work with that person what you're looking for.
1: Right, right. And, you know, in the book, I have you know, four underlying principles. Clarity is number one for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, taking into consideration your company culture, a lot of companies ignore that. But I think, you know, we all have a personality in our business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mine is fun. I, I want to work with people who have a good sense of humor, who can laugh and have fun, um, you know, those kinds of things. But every company has a different culture. Right. Now, what I do wouldn't work for, you know, maybe a lot of lawyers out there or bankers or more, you know, conservative type businesses. Mm-hmm. So take that into consideration. And then, you know, the consistency and the communication, all of those, the four C's I call them, mm-hmm. are your pillars of getting this right and really understanding who those people are, where are you going to find them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just being very intentional about going out and, and hiring rather than just taking the first available to relieve that pain that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Well, you know, now that we know that we have to do good job descriptions, we have to do a fabulous post about the job, and you, and, you know, in your book you talk about various places and, and ways to do that, we've got people coming in for an interview. <laughs> and that's that's the tricky part, especially if you're not used to doing interviewing. Because, folks, they're, they're you know, and, and this is something, you know, we can't emphasize enough. There are questions that legally you cannot ask, um, you know, and, and you know, I love the people that, you know, well, are, I see you're newly married. Are you going to, you know, have plan on having a family soon? <clears throat> no, no, can't ask those things. You know, right. There's lots of questions. and But there's, you know, pretty easy ways to research some of that. But I love that you talk about asking the non-typical type of, of interview questions to actually get somebody's story as opposed to, well, Rebecca, tell me about the biggest challenge you ever faced in your job.
1: Right. I call my interview questions insightful interview questions for a reason because they are designed to give me insight into who you are as a person. And one of my biggest pet peeves with interviewers is that they go online and they research the best top 10 questions to ask in an interview to get the right person. Well, when I look at those, those questions are not specific enough, you know, like you said, you know, the biggest challenge you faced, or, you know, if you were an emoji, which one would it be? You know, like you have to know what you want to get. So if I'm asking that kind of question, it has to be relevant to my business and, and what I'm doing. Now that emoji question might work if you're doing customer service.
0: Right.
1: And you want the emoji to be a smiley face. But nine out of ten jobs, that's gonna be a useless question. Mm-hmm. And I and, and the other pet peeve is, is that in those questions, there is often a clue or multiple clues about the answer you're expecting to receive from that candidate. Mm-hmm. So I hear this all the time. I'll I'll get from someone who's like, Well, I always ask this question. I'll I'll tell candidates our company is a team environment. Tell me about how you work in a team. Well, I just told you what I want you to tell me. Right. You want me to say how great you are at teamwork.
0: I'm not going to say, well, I prefer to work independently. Right.
1: Right. (laughs) So too many interviewers lead people to the answer that, that they're looking for. Right. So I flip those around. Like the the ones that makes that make me cringe are, you know, what's your biggest weakness? Well, every candidate has the internet just the way you do. We
0: and practice those answers. Yes,
1: exactly. And you want a real answer. You don't want mm-hmm. one they found on the internet. So when I ask those questions, I put it in a context of you know instead of the biggest weakness i'll say tell me about a time when you were faced with doing a task or performing a duty and you didn't have knowledge or skill mm-hmm. because in a lot of ways that's a weakness right i don't have knowledge i don't have skill it's an area where i'm i'm weak well when you phrase it that way we've all faced those situations that are new and different and in that question, you're going to learn, well, what happens when you hit a roadblock? Right. So if that candidate says to me, well, I'll just go to my manager and ask what I should do. Well, I know right now I don't want to hire that person because I don't have time to solve every problem for every employee. I want to hire a problem solver. mm mm-hmm. So I want someone who's going to answer that question and say, wow, you know, when I face something that I've never done before, I'll go online and do research or I'll find somebody who's faced that problem or I will you know go out and look at what other customers are doing that mm-hmm. are in that arena any host of things that tell me this person has initiative this person is eager to learn something new this person can analyze a situation and and create a course of action all of those skills are just things that we're all dying to have in mm-hmm. the people who work for us right and you don't get that when you say, what are your weaknesses, Mm -hmm. or when you lead them to that answer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I challenge my clients to think about what information do you want to know from these candidates, and then write a question that will give you what you need to know, not what you want to hear, because those are very, very different things. It's what you really need to know about that person. Like Mm -hmm. I said earlier, what's their story? Mm -hmm. So if their story is they're, you know, kind of reactive or, you know, lazy even, or, you know, it's all about the drama, you're going to find that in these questions, And you know that you can move past them to someone else. And you'll also find like really great answers from candidates when you ask these questions. And they will just spout out things that they don't even realize they've said. I once interviewed a woman who I said, you know, tell me about a time when you had to work with someone who didn't share your point of view happens all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, how do you deal with conflict? Mm-hmm. People are going to say, oh, you know, I'm very easy to get along with, whatever. This person actually started telling me about a situation where she was accused of being, you know, um, you know, racially biased and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And as I'm listening to her, I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's because you are. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. mm-hmm. And that's it's not a person, desert. right, and that's mm-hmm. not a person I want on my team. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a diverse country, a diverse world, and people need to work with everyone one. Mm -hmm. And that was a a very telling answer that I wouldn't have gotten had I asked that. How do you deal with conflict question? Right,
0: right. Well, and you can make those questions specific to your business. You know, you can say, for example, you know, we uh, we were without power for two days here. How would you handle still having to do your job? You know, and, and, you know, or, or a variety of things like that where and, and you mentioned, you know, what you want to hear as opposed to what you need to get. And then what you want to hear is I want to compare apples and apples. So I'm going to give everybody these generic questions. But you're right. You need the story. You know, how is somebody going to, to answer the, the more detailed questions? Because you really want them to have thought more about it than just, you know, I read those top 10 questions. And so I have my pat answers, too. Because, you know, I tell people practice those, you know, in front of the mirror, you know, all of the, what could a potential employer ask you, you know, all those various things. And sometimes it is about uh, not throwing them off their game because, you know, you don't want to do that to them, but making them kind of think outside the box themselves. Right? right. If they're so used to saying, well, I would handle this in such a way that, you know, that's not what I want. You know, I want to know how they're going to kind of think on their feet, you know, because almost every job out there is going to require that.
1: Right, right. It it really is. It can almost be like the Wild West out there when it comes to these interview questions. Mm -hmm. And you really do need to, as you said, first, first and foremost, make sure they're legally answerable questions. You mm-hmm. want to stay away from things. Um, and in the book, I give some great appendices and uh, resources right. where you can, you know, find those answers. And and I also, you know, I'll say again, you know, get a great employment lawyer. And as I say in the book, with a sense of humor or personality, mm-hmm. if you can, you know, that's, right. it, you know, you you want someone who understands you. And your business to help you through those. And they can be murky areas um, complying with these laws. It's not easy and they're changing so quickly that you really do need that employment lawyer on on your uh, team in some form. And then, you know, once you've gotten through that interview... And you've decided this is a great person. A lot of companies I find just, you know, can you start Monday? And they mm-hmm. don't do things like checking references or background screening or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And that that's when you give the keys to your kingdom to those freaks that are out there. Mm-hmm. And you really can't be too careful anymore You know, the internet is filled with those stories of people where they didn't do a background check and, you know, there's some sort of violence where someone comes in with a gun and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. shoots up the office or, you know, someone embezzles millions of dollars from your company. You really need to verify and double check. I always hear from people, well, you know, I just knew this was the right person. So I didn't need to check references or do, you know, drug or alcohol screens or criminal Mm -hmm. checks or anything like that. And then, you know, their intuition, well, guess what? You know, that person's a thief. Right. Now that happened once where, you know, the employee that was hired wasn't stealing from the company. They were stealing from other employees. So if you left, you know, change in your jacket and hung it up in the closet, they were stealing change out of people's jacket pockets. They were stealing, um, you know, there was a little birthday fund that we kept, you know, on payday. People would pitch in a dollar and then, you know, every month we'd buy a birthday cake and celebrate the birthdays. They -hmm. stole the birthday fund. Like, you know, people have, you know, hidden lives and you want to be as thorough as you can to make sure that you are not bringing someone on board that, you know, might have a criminal record or a history of alcohol and drug abuse. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all about giving people second chances. Right. But if you're going to be handling cash in my business, you better have stellar credit. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't manage your own cash and your own finance, I'm not really sure you can help me manage mine. Right. You right. know? You wouldn't hire an accountant who had, you know, financial difficulties, would you? Right. You know, don't, <laughs> don't bring them into
0: your business. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned in your book that there's a time to do that. You know, they, they've probably gone through the initial interviews because there's typically an expense with that. So, you know, you don't want to run credit checks on the 50 people that you're going to interview or even the five people that you're going to interview until you've got it down to, you know, maybe maybe you're ready for round two of the interviews or really you're at the decision process. But there are things like that. You know, you need to to do your due diligence. Right. It's just like you said, you know, if, if you're going to go buy an expensive car, you know, I'm going to check with consumer reports, you know, and, and make sure that it's a safe
1: vehicle. Gets
0: good gas mileage. All of those various things before I'm plunking down my mining.
1: Right. Right. And and it's important to remember, too, there are legal uh, parameters around right. when and how you do those things, mm-hmm. and those are all detailed in the book. But again, you want to make sure that you're doing them at the appropriate time, mm-hmm. so that you stay out of that legal trouble. So you right. can't do a drug and alcohol screen before an interview. You know, you mm-hmm. have to be a at the point where you're ready to make an offer, you've made Mm -hmm. a contingent offer, and those laws are changing all the time too. Um, In fact, there's a growing movement out there, and I think there are uh, 20-some states right now have what they're calling a ban-the-box law Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that on applications, you can no longer ask about criminal convictions. Mm -hmm. That's not appropriate to put on a job application anymore. Mm. So... Yeah, so, you know, you have to really be on top of the changing legal landscape around all of this to make sure that you're staying in compliance. So, you really do need to, you know, put some thought into this and not, um, and not just kind of go on that gut instinct and be very intentional about who, who you're letting into your business because, right it it can really, like I said at the beginning, it can make or break you.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And it's funny, as we were talking about this, I was thinking, oh my gosh, we may have just scared people off from wanting to hire people as an employee and they're going to hire them as a consultant. There's laws about that too, folks. You know, I, I have a, a friend who was hired as a consultant. He actually had an office in the, a, 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 you know, a, a cubicle in the office where he was. He was there five days a week. You know, he participated in all the employee things. That's considered an employee, <laughs> so,
1: right? And you'll so, you'll notice yeah. the the big companies like Microsoft got in trouble for that. Google, I think, has been called out on that because, you know, there are legal requirements that mm-hmm. describe what is an employee versus a contractor, and a lot of that um, is it's you know between the IRS and federal regulations. Mm-hmm. Then there's state regulations. It really is quite a quagmire out there and you really do need some expert help. And that doesn't have to cost you a fortune. There's, you know, you can take the DIY approach, you know, there are federal government websites that help if you can read that language without, you know, falling asleep and your mind just going blank, you know, good, do it. But if you don't have that kind of expertise, it's so worth spending a few hundred dollars to get it. And, you know, keeping up to date on it, you know, checking back in, you know, every six months to a year with a legal team doesn't have to be expensive, but it's enough to keep you on the right track. Right.
0: Well, holy cow, Rebecca, we had several things that I didn't even get to. So in particular, in particular, social media. And you know, all those various things. So that just means that we'll have you on after the first of the year. Um, So but between now and then, we know that people need to, to find you and pre order your book because this program is going on the air about a week before your book is actually going to be out there. So how do they find you and connect with you online?
1: Great. They can find me in two places. My website is yoloinsights.com, or they can just go to the book website, which is theyoloprinciple.com, and all my contact information is there, email, uh, phone number. You can find my uh, Yolo Insights group on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, all over the place. And I really want to emphasize that with this book, if you order it before the release date of October 2nd, I'll have some extra goodies that I'll throw in along with the book. So be sure to, you know, hang on to your, your receipt and send me a quick email and let me know that you've bought a copy and you'll get access to those goodies and you're going to love them. And Perfect. And I've also created, a community to go along with this book. So if you love the book and you want additional support, particularly like you said around some of the topics we didn't get to and I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. cover in detail in the book, I've created the TIP community, TYP, the YOLO Principle Community, which is an online community where you can get continuing access and updates and more information about everything recruiting and hiring in your small business
0: perfect i love it and as you said things change and it's very hard you know if you're the, the landscaper the restaurant person the small business owner you know, you can't you can't keep up on those so you want to keep in touch with somebody like rebecca because that's going to be where you can get your information
1: great and i'm happy to help and there's actually on my website if you just want a free consultation i do 20 minute consultations for free you can schedule one of those directly from my website i love helping small businesses be successful.
0: Perfect. Well, Rebecca, this has been fabulous, and I look forward to the time when we chat again. I am Deb Creer. I've been talking with Rebecca Barnes-Hogg, and until next week, everyone have a great day.
1: Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business.